Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. He don't ever get rattled. He just goes to the sun goes down. Welcome to Food Chat. Food Chat is the place where we talk about food, where it comes from, and your connection to it. I'm Chef Jackson Lamb. I've got 35 years of experience in the hospitality industry, and my co-host is Greg Bloom, who is a farmer, rancher, consumer grower he does it all greg welcome and uh good morning thank you chef you know and i also like to add to my uh, uh list of things i've done is just a professional bag dragger what i mean by that is for 30 years i've gone into restaurant kitchens with my sample bag full of meats and normally when i go there i like to cook them with the chef instead of just dropping them off and hearing a week later that they forgot to try them or they tried them and they didn't like them or they tried them and they did like them I like to be there for the presentation. And one thing that I've learned from chefs is how they cook it and also what kind of sauce or gravy they put on it. And so this show today is all about tips and tricks from a chef, you, on how to make great sauces and gravies because there's a lot to know. Yeah. There's a lot of products out there. And depending on your own personal likes and dislikes you know we can we can find sauces that are canned that are frozen that are um that are dehydrated that we just add water to okay or we can make things from scratch you know uh, and uh, a lot of chefs will make things from scratch you know we we get the the prime rib 109 it's got all the bones in it or we get a you know a hind quarter we're going to use those bones we're going to make beef stock and so but a lot of times beef stock, um, we're going to use beef stock for like a, uh, the prime rib sandwich when we have the au jus that we want to dip in there. Right. But if we want, we can take that au jus and we can keep cooking it. And let's just say we start with a gallon of au jus, okay? That's a water consistency. But if we can allow that to reduce, reduce, evaporate is really what I'm talking about. By the time you get down to one cup, okay, so let's, let's use some numbers here. You're going from 128 ounces down to 8 ounces. Wow. What's happened is the flavor has become concentrated. It has, that, uh, that, that liquid has become thicker, mm-hmm. and that's what's known as demi-gloss. Ah. So that's where that really comes from if we're making it from scratch. You know, we would use, we would make a beef stock. And let's just talk from basics, okay? Beef stock, chicken stock, we can do lamb stock. But it's where we're taking the bones of a protein and we're going to basically simmer them over a period of time. Uh, We might add some aromatics to that. Uh, The French have a word, mirepoix. I like to use the term aromatic vegetables, which primarily are onions, carrots and celery Mm. and basically those aromatic vegetables add to the flavor of the chicken stock beef stock lamb stock that we're creating 
That's a great explanation. Well, what we're trying to accomplish with today's show is to get people to explore the idea of making their own sauces because you know what happens is they go to the store and they buy their meat. Maybe it's Thanksgiving time. And what you don't want to do really is buy the little packet of whatever for the powder packet for 49 cents or 99 cents or 2.99 most of the time those i found are not like restaurant quality <laughs> those yeah. are not what you're going to find a chef using now chefs do have some tips and some tricks sometimes they make their own stock but sometimes they will use a base so maybe we could talk a little bit about the base, and then we'll talk to people about where they can find those bases, because you can't find them in a retail store. Right. So what, what is a, what's on the shelf in a normal kitchen as far as bases to make a quick base? You know, there's, um, there are products out there that you can certainly buy and put in your pantry at home, which will enable you to make a beef stock, a chicken stock, or a vegetable stock. That's very, very big right now. Let's right. get the proteins out of there and let's go with a plant-based cuisine. So, And I find that for a lot of recipes, I can easily substitute vegetable stock for beef stock. Or vegetable stock, I'm sorry, for chicken stock. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're very comparable. The other issue when we think about it is, that we're you mentioned bases. But in almost every grocery store in town, there is a section that it's nothing but boxed stock, you right. know, and, and we'll see, uh, sometimes they're going to call it, uh, um, well, don't they call it a bullion cube? Is that the same thing when you see those little <clears throat> chicken and beef bullion cubes? Is that the same thing? Well, that's exactly what those are. But buyer beware. Right. You know, we've got to start, this is where we read labels and- the problem with using, you know, the, the, those little bullion cubes or, or any t kind of a base, you want to make sure that uh, w when you're looking around before you purchase, read that label. Um, a lot of times the, the leading ingredient is salt right. or sodium. Right. And, you know, that is going to completely change the profile of your end product. Exactly and, right. You know, so, but you can shop around and you can look around. You know, that's why going with the liquid stocks already, quite often they'll say on the, on the box, sodium free. Right. You know, and again, you can get the same results getting a quart container of beef stock and letting that reduce, reduce, reduce to get it down to that demi-gloss. As far as reading the labels, I've done that in Chef's Kitchens. I'll go look at the label, and usually the high-end ones, and there's some good brands out there. Miners is one. You mentioned one earlier. You can talk about Leroy. But the, you know, if you look at the ingredients on the back, instead of the first ingredient being salt, the first ingredient might be beef stock or beef base or chicken. But So these are actually real meats in that beef stock and therefore a lot of these need to be refrigerated they're not shelf stable you'll see them in the cooler uh, but there are some that are shelf stable that still have uh, a lot of chicken or real beef in them or real vegetables in them so yeah definitely read the labels and i found that when you go to like amazon and you order these um, you'll find that uh, the more expensive they are usually the better they are right well you pay for quality that's for sure so but let's talk about um the the, the beef base beef and chicken base options for people and then I want to I want to have you uh, describe 
how to make a vegetable base from stock. Like what vegetables would you put in there? You know? Wonderful. So, Very good. Um, as far as the bases, so we mentioned, uh, wh- what's the brand that you know about that people can actually go online and look for? Uh, LaRue. LaRue, okay. LaRue, which is a French term. You know, the French and the Swiss seem to corner this market of, uh, of sauces. And so you mentioned earlier uh, off-air miners. Uh, uh, right. That uh, brand. Exactly. And they, they, I think they have 40 different types of stock out there. You can get a, like a clam base stock. If you're doing a seafood component. Okay. So let's go to um, how to make your vegetable um, stock. L- wh- wh- how do you make a good vegetable base? Well, you know, let's start with mirepoix. Okay. I mentioned that earlier. Right. So that would be carrots, onion, and celery. But, you know, when we're just doing vegetables, we might need a little bit more oomph. And uh, I will typically go to parsnips. That's where there's a lot of flavor. Broccoli, no. No, thank you. Cauliflower, no. Green beans, no. Those are not aromatic. They're vegetables, but they're not going to contribute to a stock, okay? But in any stock making, whether it is vegetable, beef, chicken, lamb, um, bacon, you can certainly make stock with bacon, that's for sure. Um, that's another story. We'll, we'll get down that road later on. What we want to do is we also want to consider thickeners, Mm. okay? So in other words, we might have a vegetable stock that has the consistency of water, Mm -hmm. okay? Right. Well, I think from a chef's perspective, we want to have a sauce where if we were to take a spoon and dip it in that sauce, it would lightly coat the back of the spoon. Okay. So that gives you a great hint as to viscosity, has another great word. So in other words, we want to get to a certain thickness so it sticks to the potatoes, so it sticks to the meat, so it sticks to whatever else is going to be on that plate. So thickeners, let's talk about that. Um, The most common uh, and usually the first one we normally learn in a culinary environment is making roux, okay, Mm -hmm. R-O-U-X, again, a French word. But roux is a combination of flour and oil. <clears throat> could be a number of different types of oil. Could be peanut oil. Could be olive oil. It could be uh, canola oil. It can be butter. Mm. So butter is really the preferred way to go. And really what you do is you want to take equal parts of butter and flour. Let's say a tablespoon of each. We want to put that in a saute pan. We want to allow the butter to melt. The butter will actually cook the flour. And it's going to make a very thick paste. That's really what's going to happen. So now we have this saute pan with a thick paste in it. Okay, If we add our vegetable stock to that and use a whisk and whip that up, we're going to have a nice, thicker consistency in that sauce well now we're making sauce uh we're making gravy in fact let's just take what i just mentioned let's go to thanksgiving dinner okay okay we've got that big turkey in a roasting pan it might be in the oven maybe we've got that tabletop roaster that we see on uh, on sale every year but we're probably also putting aromatic vegetables under the turkey just to uh 
because we want that flavor. Right. Too often, we pull the turkey out of the oven. We try to cut it when it's way too hot. We haven't let it uh, chill down and re-therm, if you will. And then all of a sudden, the pan drippings, which are very valuable from a, a flavor profile, they go wanting. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't use them. Right. So I always look at something like turkey and Thanksgiving as a two-day process. We mm-hmm. would do the turkey on, a, on Wednesday. Take the whole thing apart. Let it chill completely. You know, a chilled turkey carves a lot easier than a hot turkey. And I think it tastes better, too. Yeah. And then what you can do is you can assemble that into a a roasting pan, just heat it up the next day. Right. But it gives you the opportunity to work with those pan drippings. So, all right, let's let's walk us through that. We've got uh, turkey fat. We've got water. We've got uh, all the flavor from the aromatic vegetables. That would go through a strainer. Mm-hmm. We would try to filter that out, but now we've got a perfect ch- uh, turkey stock ready to go. Two ways to go here. One is we create roux, which I just talked about. Another common uh, thickening style, very popular in the Asian communities, is using water and cornstarch. Mm-hmm. And that's called making a slurry. So you can do equal parts of water, cold water, and cornstarch in a separate glass, separate bowl, whip that until the cornstarch dissipates, and then add that. I don't add it all to the stock. No, a little at a time. A little bit at a time because all of a sudden when, when the heat gets to that cornstarch, it will thicken up. And if you add all of it, it might be too thick. For yeah, me. and I've also made the mistake of not doing the cornstarch and the water separately and stirring it up, and I've just added it to the gravy or whatever, and then it lumps. That's absolutely correct. Then you get lumpy gravy. Right. That's what about it. the other shortcut method, if you don't want to do that, is to use a, a, a Nor product. You know what I'm talking about? The Nor bases, the thickening agents that are in a you know, half-gallon size that you'll see chefs use. You don't talk about the brown powder. Oh, sure. You can find that on Amazon, too, even that brand, Knorr, K-N-O-R-R. Yeah. I use that at home sometimes to thicken up. And I find sometimes because I don't have time to make my own roux, it's not bad. Yeah. It And it's really got the same components as roux. Right. Um, it It's probably like dehydrated roux is really what it is because you can add that without getting the clumpiness in the sauce, and it's a lot more convenient. Now, I do find that learning how to make your own roux is a great, great culinary thing to do because you can add these bases. They become the foundation for excellent soups, gravies, sauces. You know, there's so many meats that really don't taste good without a good sauce. Like even a beef tenderloin, which is so tender, right? But it doesn't have a lot of flavor like a lot of other cuts do. And you, gosh, you can't go out any banquet. You and I go to banquets all the time for food events. And if you're having pork, it's got a gravy on it. If you've got a chicken and you're serving 300 people, it's got a gravy on it yeah. because they need to keep that meat moist. That's true. So uh, I want to, can people listen to this show to realize how foundational it is to learn how to make these sauces for great at-home cooking. Sure. You know, again, we went out uh, uh, several months ago and uh, had short ribs. Right. Well, it was swimming in a pool of demi-glace. It was delicious. Right. But, you know, quite often a, you know, a, a hot sauce will rescue a cold entree every time. 
A hot sauce will rescue a cold entree. That's a good thing to remember. That's a great thing to remember because all of a sudden, you know, that chicken breast, all of a sudden it's no longer 160 degrees, 140 degrees. Now it's 130, 120. And so, again, if you have a bubbling chicken stock, chicken sauce, if, again, you're having, uh, let's just say that we're having biscuits and gravy and mashed potatoes and fried chicken. You know, a hot sauce over that will bring it right back up to temp. Right, and if you like to save some money and shop off at the uh, the the sale counter at the meat department, whatever is on sale in that bin you're going to buy, a lot of times that meat might not be the best quality meat, you know, but you can rescue it with a great sauce. Yeah. And it'll still be good. Absolutely. Or, you know, quite often if you're sauce making, you can disguise so many things. Right. It really, it actually, if you're good at sauce making, it can really increase your versatility in the kitchen right we were going to entitle this show the sauce is boss and the sauce is boss on but i, I do not want people to think we're talking about barbecue sauce we're talking about how to make great bases and gravies what else can someone do when they learn this art of making good bases what kind of things would they do with that culinary this is this used for what soups stews what else would they use it for? I have one comment that I use it for. I, I love to cook Colorado-grown pinto beans in a crock pot. Yeah. And what I do is I just rinse those beans really quickly in a colander, and then I throw them in the crock pot and cover them with about four inches of water over the beans because those beans are going to soak all that water in. Sure. And I put in there three ingredients, uh, salt and pepper and a can of diced green chilies. But I noticed that if I use base like chicken base or vegetable base instead of water tastes so much better oh sure so much better so that's a good trick what else can people do with this arsenal now they have of making great bases uh, well, let me just interrupt by saying we've discussed this off air but to do those pinto beans or black beans in an instapot yes really intensifies the flavor and to use a base instead of water, right? Absolutely. The base they're talking about. I have a question for you about, you didn't mention garlic. Is garlic, it's an aromatic, is it too potent? Does it overpower? Do you think you mentioned carrots, onions, celery as aromatics and throwing in some parsnips, but what about garlic? Yeah, it, it, it's overwhelming, overwhelming is the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so and the same thing with um with spices, you don't want to use salt and pepper when you're making stock. Okay. Once the salt is in there, you can't get it out of there. Okay. All right? Good rule. Well, listen, let's pause for a second. We've been talking about making gravies or sauces from animal proteins. Mm-hmm. Okay? What about when you want to go out for breakfast and you want to have that chicken fried steak with the country gravy? Mm-hmm. Well, wait a second. That's not chicken stock, beef stock, or anything else. That is, we're starting with milk. Mm. Okay? We're making a roux, just like we talked about earlier. But instead of adding stock to that, we add milk. This gives us, the proper term is a bechamel sauce. Mm. Okay? But, again, uh, uh, living the, uh, the farm life, sausage might find their way into that gravy. Okay. Um, again, if we're having biscuits, biscuits and gravy, that's a meal in itself right there. Yeah, delicious. Absolutely. Uh, or anytime we're working with any type of juices, you know, uh, uh, we can make a, 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 ra- a raspberry or strawberry sauce that would go over a dessert. Well, 
you'd want something that's going to be thick enough so that it will cling to the cheesecake, the ice cream, uh, the carrot cake, whatever that dessert might be. And again, typically in uh, fruit-based sauces, we're going to thicken that up with probably cornstarch. Now, I've ruined some really good pans trying to make dessert sauces. So I want you to address that because talk about the heat and the pan because if you don't, if you walk away from the stove, you could ruin your pan and the sauce. Well, the the problem is, and, and for a long time years ago, I was into making what we would call blueberry gastique, French term, but I would take uh, fresh blueberries and puree them. Now I've got this this blueberry sauce, if you will, but gastique is a combination of vinegar and sugar. It gives you that sweet and sour flavor. Nice. Very, very nice. And so, um, again, we can, we can incorporate, you know, vinegar. Vinegar in a sauce? Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, uh, to, to, to your comment, now we're dealing with sugar, mm-hmm. okay? So when we're dealing with beef stock, chicken stock, um, there's no sugar involved here. We can bring things to a boil and just let them go. But when we're making a raspberry sauce, a strawberry sauce, we're working with blueberries. Hey, not only are we dealing with the natural fructose sugar that's in the fruit, we're probably going to add extra sugar as well right. to bring that, sh- that, that sweetness level up so that it'll complement the, the cheesecake or whatever the dessert is. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good trick. Just don't walk away from the, the, the stove um, when you're cooking a dessert sauce. Um, let's go back to uh, what you can do with a. So we might have some vegetarians or some vegans in, in the audience, and they want to really kind of dial in making great vegetable stock. You, might, you talked about carrots and onions and celery and maybe parsnips, and then they want to thicken that up. So I yeah. just want to go back to that. They want to. It's it's watery, so it might be good for the soup, but they need to thicken it up. Do they do that with then what flour or cornstarch or the cornstarch water mix? Well, we we can go either way. But if you do the, the uh, well, first of all, if we're vegan, we're not going to use butter. Right. Okay. So, but you can use olive oil and yes. you can use uh, equal parts olive oil and, and flour and okay. make that roux as we talked about earlier. And then you would add the liquid to the roux. In fact, we kind of talked about this earlier. I make roux. I remove half of it. I'll incorporate it later on if I need it, but I don't want to create... All of a sudden, I've got a sauce that's way too thick. So it all depends on there is a ratio to, to get to uh, between roux and liquid. And right. if we have too much roux and not enough liquid, we're going to have a clumpy mess. But, you know, that's why I try to hold back on the roux because we can always make it thicker. But if I'm out of raspberry juice, right. then, I, uh, then I'm stuck. Right. Now, this might sound like a lot of work for people to do at every meal. So can they batch cook sauce or roux and then put it in the refrigerator? And if so, how long would it last? And how much should they make at a time, do you I, feel? I do it all the time. You know, uh, uh, in previous shows, we've talked about uh, uh, making a, a, like a great pot roast in an Instapot. Okay? Right. And again, we're putting in potatoes and carrots and, and onions in there. Um, I can capture that sauce when it comes out of that. Uh, Instapot, strain that, put that in, into plastic cups in the freezer. It'll last 
all season long. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good thing. You can freeze it. You can freeze it in small containers. And especially with demi-gloss, you know, uh, when I'm making that pot roast, and it's very intense in flavor, let me just clarify also what I, 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 there's a secret ingredient when I'm working with beef. So I'll use a, a standard mirepoix, which is onions, carrots, and celery. It's two parts onion to one part carrot to one part celery. Okay. Two one one. Two parts onion to one to one. Okay. That's right. Once we're all done, I bring in tomato. Ooh. Tomato paste. Because that is going to bring in color. That's going to bring in flavor. And then in the reduction process, tomato paste is already a thickened sauce when you think about it. It acts like a roux. Yeah, right. It's fantastic. And it adds a lot of flavor. It adds a lot of flavor, and then that can be frozen and... Uh, you know, you can pull that out on an as-needed basis. And then what sort of things would you now make? So if you've got your, your vegetable stock and you, you, it's in the cooler and you've got in the freezer, you've got it all. What, what sort of dishes can you now make with that, do you feel? Well, if you've got a vegetables, uh, you've, you've got a sauce that was made from vegetable stock. Okay. okay. Grilled portobello. Let's start there. Ooh, okay. Yum. Love yeah. it. Love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and a lot of times uh, I've seen it where we can take a, a portobello and uh, we remove the gills on the inside. The uh, They're called the gills, but it's the inside part. Sure. Scrape that out with a spoon, and then you can stuff that mushroom. I've seen it stuffed with diced vegetables. Yeah. I've seen it stuffed with a combination of diced vegetables and cheese. But that can either be baked in the oven or you can put that on a grill outside. I've done that before. It's delicious. Well, just don't flip it over if there's cheese on it. That's, that's, that's right. for sure. Yeah. But, you know, all of a sudden now we're in a plant-based cuisine environment. You've got a, and you've got a sauce that is a vegetable-based sauce that's thick. That can go right over the top of that. Maybe we've got a uh, couscous or orzo on the side. It all works very, very well. Yeah. And also sometimes, too, like you have some vegetables that just don't have a lot of flavor. Like, I don't know, there's a lot of vegetables that, you know, they're good for you. Let's just say broccoli and cauliflower. Yeah. But you can enhance those with that same sauce. Just put a little couple tablespoons of sauce over it, and your kids might eat them. Absolutely. And again, you know, depending on, you're trying to build a whole plate here. So, you know, again, there might be risotto involved might be mashed potatoes, rice. There could be pasta involved there. But, um, yes, we can certainly um, utilize uh, all of those ingredients. And who knows? The kids might like broccoli. Yeah, you never know. The sauce is the boss. Well, hey, Chef Jackson, thanks for sharing your insights today on how to make great sauces and gravies. I think one of the biggest uh, takeaways I have from the show today is that on Thanksgiving – don't cook the turkey the day of, right before your guests all arrive. You really can't use the drippings. You've got to do it the day before, and it's a lot more stress-free anyway. Because then the turkey's done, and then you're just heating it up. And that's what they do at restaurants, too. They're not cooking the turkey the day that you go in there. So that's a great tip. Thank you. It's a pleasure, and it gets you to utilize that valuable uh, pan of pan drippings. I'll close with a... Uh, uh, working with another chef years ago, he'd say, you know, my mother makes gravy, but I make sauce. <laughs> chef quote. Learn how to make a great sauce, everybody. You won't be sorry. You know, it's well worth your time and investment. 
Great. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us on Food Chat today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hey, it's Chef Jackson Lamb signing off. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Today's Food Chat episode was brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com finds the best quality beef in the marketplace, but not only beef, bison and chicken and lamb and all kinds of great proteins that come from family farms that we know personally. And if not the farm, then the USDA plant. So go to RanchFreshMeats.com and sign up for the weekly newsletter because at the every week we pull a name at random and give away a box of meat. RanchFreshMeats.com Here's to the farmer that plants the fields and the spring The turn from green to that harvest honey Hold one up for the banker downtown They got him on his feet with handshake of money Here's to the farmer's wife That loves him every night Raising a son Raising a daughter, they gather around the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.